Hello, and welcome to the Hearn Hip Podcast. I'm Dale. And I'm Tamara. And when two theologians get married, what you get is a podcast. Well, this is part two of our two-part episode on women in leadership. And for the second part, we wanted to get a little bit more practical. On the first part of this episode, we dove into the scriptures involved with women in leadership and kind of the different views on that. So if you missed that, you definitely want to go back and listen to that. But this is part two where we want to get a little bit more practical. And so I am here with Tamara and with a special guest named Stacy Monaco. I'm sitting here with two women who went to seminary. Stacy has an MA from Talbot School of Theology and Tamara has an MDiv. You've both served in church leadership, in organizational leadership, and you've both done a lot of writing and speaking. And so I guess from a practical perspective, my first question for you guys would be, what gives you the right to disregard the laws of God? Rude. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. <laughs> no, but I, I, I'm really excited, Stacey, that you're here and that we can kind of continue this conversation from a more practical perspective kind of based on your experience. So this episode will be a little bit different. We'll do it a little bit more interview style and just get to hear your guys' story and your perspective with regard to this topic. And so, Stacey, I'd love for you just to tell our listeners, and Tamara, we can share what your experiences are as well, but I'd love for you to share just some of your leadership background, some of your experience, both within the church and just in other organizational leadership. Well, I think leadership for me has been something that really started as almost as a young girl. I found myself wanting to, well, be in charge. Um, (laughs) But I think it was a natural inclination towards wanting to bring order to situations or wanting to help people become who they, you know, who I could see they would be. And so it led me to that path of leadership kind of without really realizing that that was where I was going. And then I found myself in job positions where the natural next step for me was always management. And so really before before I had any inkling that someday I might want to lead out in a church position, it really started out more as jobs, hmm. my work life, uh, finding that, oh, I am good at helping bring people forward. I am good at bringing organization to an environment or to a system. Yeah, And so I, I started off on my education kind of looking at communications and that type of area mm-hmm. because I love to write, because I love to speak. But then I found myself more over interested in leadership and organizations and bringing order to organizations. So I think that's kind of, you know, I ended up getting a, a bachelor's in organizational management because that's what I like to do. I like to bring order and I like to see people become who they can be. Yeah, tell us about some of those organizations. You've had some pretty cool jobs. I've worked for uh, for Starbucks. I, I worked for Starbucks both as a trainer and as a manager and really uh, kind of found my home in, in management slinging coffee. Just mm. found it was a place for me. I love that sense that uh, Starbucks had where you you know, have your own store. You have that capability to lead from within a store and that opportunity to really not have constant oversight and to build something for that company that really was your own. You weren't constantly being watched, and I loved that. I loved the ability to train up those under me, and I've also worked for companies like Nordstrom and just have owned a magazine at one point in time, so I've worked for I didn't myself. Know that. Yeah, yeah. Oh. owned a magazine. Okay. Worked in the scuba and travel industry for quite a long time, and that was where 
I got my feet wet as a writer and did that type of, you know, building as well. So just a work background that goes back longer than I actually want to say because I'm joyfully <laughs> sitting behind a microphone and you can't see me and you don't know how, how old I'm about to be. So happy 60th birthday to me here this next, in, in about two weeks. And then for you, Tamara, our listeners know a little bit about your your background, but maybe share a little bit of your experience as it pertains to leadership in different organizations and opportunities. Yeah. So my experience was sort of similar where um, it just kind of happened in jobs and usually I'd be at a place for a year and then some kind of opportunity would happen and I would be moved into a place of leadership. I think just about every job I've ever had, I moved into some kind of a leadership role. But probably one of the biggest leadership roles I had was when I worked at a hotel and actually ran the entire front desk operational side of things. So everything front of the house ended up falling underneath me at some point to some degree. And even now in the role I'm in now, um, I'm a director over a, a small team of people, but there's still some aspect of a leadership role in the current position that I'm in now. And that is the first ministry related role that I've had in terms of leadership of an actual organization outside of some small leadership roles within church. But most of my experience comes from just job opportunities and moving up within a couple of years. Yeah. So it seems like for both of you, when it comes to leadership, it isn't necessarily something where you thought like, oh, I want to be a leader or, you know, Stacey, you joke about like wanting to be in charge, but, but really in all the opportunities that you've been in, you've just handled those well and you know, naturally through the organization have, have risen to levels of leadership because of your abilities. And it seems like it's it's been kind of this natural progression of the giftings that you have and then developing those and then being put in a position to use those. And so I have this question about kind of as this relates to church leadership, I kind of grew up in church settings where there was this false dichotomy of either you can like care about advancing the leadership of women and putting women in positions of leadership within the church, or you can care about the Bible. Like you can't really care about both. And so we see in culture uh, this rise of women into positions of influence and leadership, but there's often been this kind of blockade to that in the church because of kind of hiding behind you can either be for the advancement of women's leadership or you can be for uh, the Bible. And so my question for you is, has that been your experience? Have you kind of interfaced with that? And what is your response in the midst of that? Oh, I've, I've absolutely interfaced with that. And, you know, I, I came by church leadership really by accident. As most of us often uh, do. Right. No, one, <laughs> no one's like, you know what I want to do? One of the hardest things. <laughs> you know, and by the time I began to even think about church leadership, I'd walked through some things that would have absolutely um, eliminated my opportunities for leadership within the church. Hmm. So I'd walked through divorce. Um, I was pretty candid about the fact that I'd had an abortion. Things that by the time I, I had been someone who had accepted Christ as a young woman, but then had walked away and walked through a lot of brokenness and then really understood what it meant to have Jesus Christ as a savior and to live a life of transformation, that he actually was going to change my life, not just that I was going to 
act better or look better or, you know, some kind of a white picket fence Christianity check off the boxes and I look good and I'm happy and my children are beautiful. I'd been through a lot of brokenness and I actually ended up in a women's ministry team, which didn't really know what it was, but I had come back to church. I'd gone through a lot of counseling. I've gone, I'd gone through a lot of understanding that I could really talk to God and he really was going to answer me and didn't have the time. Single mom. I was a single mom raising a bunch of kids. I went back to school because I knew I was never going to be able to support them without completing my degree. And someone said, well, why don't you come and get involved in this women's leadership team, which, and it was really just, they were just trying to get me connected because I did not have the time to be in a small group. I I was barely breathing, you know, but just knew I wanted to be in a church, kind of figured that my life was such that really for me, I could sit in the back of the church because Jesus loves me, this I know, and I did know that. But I, I really never felt that I could do anything more than sit in the back of the church. So someone invited me into it. Another woman invited me into it, invited me into that. And at a certain point, she looked at me and we were planning a retreat. And she said, you know, I think you have something to say. And it shook me. And then I realized I did. I realized I had a lot to say. And I believed that women had a lot to say. And I, and I believed because of my own experience that women were hiding in the church who had skills and capabilities. And they were hiding because they were either ashamed or they were hiding because they didn't believe they were useful. And I knew that wasn't the Jesus I had been reading about and really truly getting to know. And it began to shake me to the core. And and I did begin to have something to say. Hmm. Yeah, I would say I've actually thought that women in leadership was wrong within the church growing up. I don't know if anyone specifically told me that directly, But that was the sense that I got, that women belong in children's ministry and in women's ministry. And there's certainly nothing wrong with those two ministries. They're needed. There's a place for them, and we need leaders in them. But I didn't really feel this sense that I fit in either one of those. I grew up serving in children's ministry and really enjoyed it. But as I got older, it just didn't seem to fit the passions that were kind of burning within me. And I I remember praying through it like, Lord, what is it that you have for me? And so... I ended up, you know, seeking education and thought like, this is the way to explore that. But I guess have a strong personality and just thought, well, Lord, like, how is it that you've gifted me with these things? And I want to serve you and I want to be in your church and I want to be part of the body, but I don't know where I fit. And I don't know how to fit in children's ministry. And at that point, we didn't really have a women's ministry. And so it kind of felt like the things that I was excited about, the things I was passionate about, the the gifts that I saw just being developed in me didn't fit in the church. But they were accepted in the places I was working, which was hard because I would be in a leadership role where I was working and I was respected and I was valued. And I never felt like I was the only woman sitting in the room. And Unfortunately, I've felt that way in undergrad, the only female sitting in my preaching class, in my master's programs, I was often the only female. And and to some degree, even in the ministry place that I work now, um, there's certainly been some pushback with, with women in leadership. And I think it's it's an ongoing discussion where I work, but Right now, there's myself and one other woman who's in leadership, and she's an amazing leader. Like, I know if she weren't there, we would really be hurting. Um, So I've certainly faced 
the pushback within places of ministry and within Christian organizations where I haven't seen that pushback in non-Christian places. I think that's one of the things I would say had the benefit of not knowing what I didn't know. Mm, so yeah. by, by virtue yep. of the fact that I didn't grow up in the church, I actually, you know, my father had his um, doctorate in business administration. So I had that background of, yeah. of education mm-hmm. and, and becoming a woman who firmly believed that Jesus Christ is alive and mm. that he transforms lives and then beginning to read scripture and seeing women and how, how he cared for them, how he, and I needed to know that. Yeah. And with the brokenness that I was carrying, I needed to know that. So then that became, that informed my life. And I was out in positions that gave me some management opportunities and gave me the opportunity to speak into other people's lives. And I couldn't see how God would make us leaders in other areas and then ask us to come into his church and be quiet. And I wasn't seeing that as well in scripture. I, I was seeing women supporting Jesus in his ministry, financially supporting him, physically supporting him, walking alongside. And so I didn't, I didn't know what I didn't know. And, and I hadn't ter- heard terms like complementarian, egalitarian, and I didn't hear that until I got into seminary to do a master's degree, which I didn't know I was going to seminary until they told me. Neither did Tamara. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I had no idea. I was like, um, I'm getting my master's degree. Oh, I guess I'm in seminary. All right. Right. <laughs> exactly. I literally like, said. I didn't know I wasn't, quote unquote, not supposed to be here. Right. Yeah, right. Nobody too. told me. No, I, yeah, I knew I knew that God had put it in my heart very clearly mm-hmm. to go. And as I sat yep. for my yep. interview and, and the person interviewing me said, well, why do you want to go to seminary? And I was more concerned about my age because I was getting there as an older student it hadn't occurred to me that I didn't know where it was that I was going. Right. And I said, oh, <laughs> this is seminary. <laughs> but the, and yeah. I had to grapple with that. I, mm-hmm. I learned these, you know, as I opened the dictionary literally and read what is complementarian, what is egalitarian. And I thought, well, I'm neither of those things. I'm this. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, I, I believe Jesus changes lives and I believe he calls us to use everything he gives us. It was economic to me. You know, God is a God of economy. Mm. You better use what he gives you. And if what he gives you happens to be leadership skills, then get in there and use it. Yep. Mm -hmm. Has there ever been a time where you doubted your your own leadership? I I think moreover, I doubted my leadership. And there were times without a question of a doubt that I knew this is God moving and I had better step up. Mm. I had better step up and be obedient. What were some of those times? Oh, gosh. Um... Definitely, you know, definitely moving into going to seminary and having having things questioned, having who I was questioned, listening to to people in classes, you know, young people, so much younger than me, who were having their own grapplings and were looking at things from such a um, academic point that perhaps I was concerned that maybe they were losing their faith. And it made me question, you know, am I in the right place? Is this what I'm supposed to be doing? I had taken a lot of roles, a lot of um, volunteer roles, a lot of assisting roles in women's ministry over the years from that first invitation that I had been given to come and do that and in a lot of other areas. And so suddenly finding myself in seminary and then having that question of what do you believe and having to grapple with 
I believe, I believe in Jesus. I believe he changes lives. I believe he uses women and I believe he's going to continue to use women. And I believe if he, if we diminish women, we are diminishing the gospel. Mm. And I believe if we diminish women in the church and their usefulness in the church, then we have become archaic in our understanding and that we are actually interpreting the scriptures through a patriarchal mindset. Mm. And it shocked me when all of that came out of me, but I knew that I believed it. And so then I doubted whether or not I would be accepted and useful to simply share what I consider very basic truths, the very basic truths of Jesus Christ. I came into a position at, at a church, was hired as a, as a director of women's ministry while still in my seminary, while completing my seminary degree. And I was challenged at every turn. I sought to help women see how Jesus could change their lives. And I sought to help women see what God had planted in them because when we see what God plants in us, when we see that we are made in his image, we begin to value ourselves rightly. And when we begin to value ourselves rightly, we begin to value other human beings rightly. Hmm. Hmm. And that was so huge for me. And I think that my fervor to help individual women understand that because I believe that one person can change one person. And in my fervor to do that, um, constructs and um, manners of doing things, things that had been done a certain way for decades on end, I began to challenge those. And and what that brought up, as change often does, is deep-seated anger. And yet I knew that's exactly what I was supposed to be doing, but still doubting that I had the skill to do it or the fortitude to do it. Hmm. But hmm. I think doubt is a lovely thing. Mm-hmm. And the reason why I think doubt is a lovely thing is, is because when we doubt our own capabilities, it reminds us that, that we must cling to Jesus. Mm. We must cling to him, even in the areas of strength that he has given us. Yeah, It's a key leadership for Christians, I believe. Hmm. Yeah. You mentioned when, when change comes that it will unearth deep-seated anger. Why do you think that is? Oh, fear, fear, fear. As humans, we are, we generalize to keep ourselves safe. We stay in patterns that may not even be healthy for us in order to keep ourselves safe. We're afraid of the very thing that the gospel calls us to, which is transformation, repairing of creation, being change bringers. On any given day, you can point something out to a human being or have something pointed out about yourself and you can say, well, I'm just that way. Mm -hmm. I'm just that way. Yeah. And scripture actually dictates. I I don't have a, 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 a word that is lighter than that. It dictates that change must happen. We are called to change. And as we allow change and transformation to come in us, it comes to others. But we are afraid. We are afraid of change. We don't really want to let God change us. Change is terrifying. It's terrifying. And it's hard for, I think, change on any level, whether it's these um, things that you've been attending over and over and over again, or it's just the normal life changes. I mean, we've dealt with so much change over, you know, the last few years from marriage to parenting um, and just all of the things that that brings, you know, from once living with somebody else, you know, in the home you grew up in 
to now starting a whole new life. Like that's a, that's a big change. It's an exciting change, but change is hard. I think it's just hard in general, even if you can see those things are good changes. But oftentimes we look at change as if it's bad. And I think that's a lot of what we're facing just in society at large right now is there's change happening. Some people would certainly say it's good change, which I would agree, but it's scary. It's scary change. And I was actually talking with someone recently at work just saying culturally it was pretty unacceptable not that long ago for women to be in any form of leadership at all, not just within the church, but within business, within culture, within any kind of life, because the woman at one point was supposed to be at home cooking and cleaning and caring for the children. And those are not bad things. Those are admirable things. We need those things in our life. And that's important for society and just culture and the way that we move. But you are seeing that shift of women who have these gifts and have leadership abilities. And God has clearly built them with those things. And it seems as if culture shifted before the church did. And the church is not supposed to be led by culture. Certainly not. But we should pay attention. We should pay attention to what's happening in our culture. And then look back, but look to scripture to see what does God have to say about this? Not what does culture have to say? Because there's certainly many cultural shifts that the church should not agree with. But I think when it comes to women in leadership, I think the church does need to step back and and even just learn a bit from what culture has been doing and look to scripture and see, okay, what, what does God have to say about this? And is there actually something we need to be learning in this season of change where it's been harder for the church to even look at that topic at all? Why do you think it's harder for the church to even think about it when the culture seems to be leading in that area that's a good question I think there's I think there's kind of two sides to it one is uh, a lot of what we talked about in episode one where it comes to the Bible and saying what does God have to say about women in leadership and there are some difficult passages in scripture that we look at I mean in first Corinthians in first Timothy like you see some challenging verses there that depending on how you look at those and depending on how you understand them, it might very clearly be saying, no, women are not supposed to teach or preach and they're supposed to be silent. But like we said in episode one, you can't necessarily take those at face value through the English translation. You really do need to go back culturally and look at what was going on there, the context of the whole letter and what Paul was talking about and the audience they were talking to. There are reasons why we, we differ on the way we understand those passages, but it's important as you're developing your theological view of women in ministry that you actually look at it and you wrestle with it. And if you end up on one side, then your conviction needs to be true all the way across the board. Because I've seen people who say women should not preach or they shouldn't be pastors, but then there's things that they're doing within the church or there's things that they're doing because Something needs to be filled and the woman steps up and does it. And she's essentially doing those things. We're just not giving her the platform or the title. And it's not about title, but we're not going to call her that even though we're asking her to do those things. So there's a, there's obviously tension there where if we're going to say women should not do this, then that needs to be clear all the way across the board. Like you need to stand true to that. And then if you are going to say they can, then you, you need to stand true to that side of things. So I think that's why it's been a little bit more difficult with the church is because we we do have some 
challenges within a few verses in scripture that might make it appear as if women should not take on these roles. But I also think the church holds to tradition a lot. And we see that in a lot of different ways. I mean, there's always the battle over should only hymns be sung? I mean, what should worship music look like? There's always these challenges of change within the church. Um, And I guess I'm not sure why it sometimes seems to be a little bit more difficult within the church uh, to bring forth change than outside of the church. I read something um, just the other day a commentary on how we how we come to Jesus as individual Christians. And this writer, this author had noted that to come to Jesus in the way that he wants us to come to him is almost always going to have an, un, an element of the unnerving, that it is going to be unnerving for us to truly allow him to take up the space within us that he actually is asking for. And that held true in me, that it took root. And I thought that is true. I want to surrender. I want to live a surrendered life for Jesus. And yet I could see a string of so many different ways, so many different areas where I didn't want my life to be unnerving, where, where comfort is such, you know, comfort is such a lovely thing. And to ask Jesus to come into spaces where he might unnerve me, where he might allow me to feel that fear, where he might say, I actually want you to feel that fear. I want you to feel the tension of the change or the tension of letting go. Yeah. And I I think the church faces that every single day. It's unnerving to let you lead. It's unnerving to see changes come. Oh, it's unnerving to change the type of music that we do or change the way that we do messages. It's unnerving. Yeah. You know, Jesus in scripture, he is more than willing to be unnerving. Hmm. So shifting gears just a little bit, I wanted to talk a little bit about what does like leadership look like at home as a woman? And we, uh, ahead of this podcast, we gather some questions on Instagram from people who follow us and say like, hey, what are your specific questions? And one of them was actually from someone who had a question about, you know, women in leadership in the home where traditionally it would be, you know, the man who's, uh, you know, the breadwinner and mom is staying at home where a lot of times now it's, you know, dual incomes or maybe the wife is making more money than the husband in terms of being faithful to scripture, but then also just living into the fullness of what, what Jesus has come to bring us. What, what does leadership in the home look like for women? You know, I'm thinking about, I'm, I'm sitting here with Tam and I know that Tam was um, raised by a single mom. And I know that I spent quite a, quite a few years as a single mom. And so now here we're both, we're both married. Mm-hmm. I have a slew of children that are also married. And I think about how being a single mom or how being raised by a single mm-hmm. mom, how that informs the tasks that you have to do. Because you see, when you are a single parent, you must lead out in everything. You must lead out in every area. And, if, and, and wherever you are failing to lead out, your children are being impacted. And so for Tam, that had to impact her and for me... I know it definitely impacted my children in how they now how they now act as married couples and it even impacted me when I again chose to get married and I came in with certain skill sets that I understood I was bringing into the marriage. So, you know, in my marriage, I've been now married to my husband for 11 years and we we really had to bring things to the table and have a conversation 
about what our home life was going to look like because we both were, for lack of a better way to say it, we both had our own rhythms and we were set in our ways. And so, you know, I liked the house cleaned a certain way and he liked things done a certain way. And there was this mutuality, you know, that I, I have come to learn is, is what I see in the Godhead, what I see in the yep. way that Jesus and the Holy Spirit and God relate to one another. There's this beautiful mutuality of each of them being who they are. So doing what they are made to do while respecting what the other is made to do. Now, I'm good at taking care of money. It's just my mother was a banker. It's what I do. And I'm good at the day-to-day money. Now, my husband, on the other hand, he's good at investing and very good at it. And so we have learned that where paying the daily bills or keeping a budget might make him want to jump off the deep end, I'm very good at it, and I actually get joy out of doing it. Mm. So there's something about that. It sparks joy in me to pay bills. It sparks joy in me to set up a budget. So he has learned in, our, in this reciprocity that for me to do that is a very good thing. So that, at one point, may have been considered really a male job. Hmm. You know, right. at one point in the history of the world, it was definitely considered <laughs> a male job. You know, my husband often cooks. I really like cleaning the dishes. And boy, if you want those counters sanitized, I'm all about it. Um, Now, on the other hand, I really like it when he takes out the trash. So, hey, I want to get real traditional when it comes to that. But I think it's understanding each other's rhythms and letting that mutuality, that mutual submission come in and seeing, you know, hey, do I like that my husband's good at investing? Has it changed my life? Has it changed my children's lives? Has it it changed his children's lives? Mm. And even other people's? Yes. Hey, I'm going to I'm going to really revere and respect him for those gifts and talents that have been put in him. Yeah. So, I mean, to me it's that rhythm of mutual submission like as opposed to that dirty word that sometimes we women hear and we go, "Oh, submission, that's so ugly." But mutuality, mutuality of submission, well that is lovely. Mm. Yeah. And I think you put into words what has kind of just been shaped in in our marriage and you talking about like single moms and growing up with a single mom in my mind women can do everything there's nothing they can't do and okay if you're you know you're the man in the relationship and you're gonna do it that's fine I'll do it and not in some sort of a domineering way but just like okay it needs to get done if you know I want it done now then I'll just do it and that's okay but I I have had to learn to say okay what does it look like to carry out this biblical model of marriage that we, we do see it in scripture. I think it's important to understand it's not a dictatorship and it's not one person ruling the marriage. And I wouldn't even say those things within the home are decided based on who's making more money because there have certainly been seasons where I've made more money than Dale. Most of the seasons, actually. Well, <laughs> I wasn't going to say that, but yes, yes. Most of, most of the time I have brought in more money. But that didn't change my respect for him. That didn't change the way that uh, I talk to him or the way that we make decisions. There have certainly been times where we've disagreed on things, and I've had to sit back and say, well, Lord, how do we make a decision if we're not on the same page? And it might be, you know, what do we do with this particular area of our finances? And I might not agree with what Dale says. And then I think, well, does that just mean I need to be quiet? And he calls the shots and that's the end of it. Because 
that's really hard to do. <laughs> but there have been moments where we have to, you know, we talk about it. And Dale's been really good about hearing me, hearing my side. What do I have to say? And we discuss it. And it becomes this mutual decision where we have this understanding that we want to carry out a biblical marriage and we're new to marriage. So we need to learn and we, we want that to be shaped by Jesus and not by what we understand to be a traditional marriage, what we understand to be a modern marriage or whatever that looks like. Um, so we're still learning. I would say we haven't, we've almost been married for three years, so we're certainly learning what that looks like. But I would say that in many ways, it looks like respecting one another and hearing one another and having conversations. But in the same way, there's things in our marriage that people might traditionally say, well, that's a man's job or a woman's job. Uh, Dale does most of cooking for dinner. He does most of that. And I am very grateful because I'm tired and like don't really want to do it. I don't like cooking. I actually hate it. Uh, Dale enjoys it. He enjoys finding new recipes and new things to do. And he'll ask me, so what was good? What was bad? And if I cook, I don't want to know what was good, what was bad. You just eat it and that's the end of it. <laughs> I don't want it. I don't want like, you know, him to write an article about it. Um, <laughs> please no, just eat it and be happy that I cooked. But in the same way, I manage our finances. Um, and that's because... Because that does not bring me joy at it, all. It brings neither of us joy for Dale to manage the finances. So <laughs> we've learned, we actually learned that before we were married very quickly. So yeah, I think it, it kind of just goes back to the way that you wonderfully articulated it, uh, that it's, it's this mutuality mm-hmm. within marriage. And even going back to what you said about church leadership, um, it's about looking at the resources that you as a household have and then using mm-hmm. those to the fullest. And then Tamara, what you were saying is, um, not getting caught up on the labels of what a man or woman should do in terms of like household tasks but but more in the sense of kind of stepping into what does it look like to be a man and a woman in a relationship um and and not so much getting caught up on those maybe cultural um things that that you're supposed to do quote unquote well what advice would you guys give to you know women who love Jesus and who have a heart for leadership or who are just kind of starting to discover their heart for leadership? I think the most valuable thing for me was one understanding that as God began to bloom that in me, I couldn't even say that my life was anywhere near to lining up with something that, I mean, let's use the word godly. And and it has become so amazing to me to understand that that that's just not who God is. It, it's not that he is waiting for us to be these fully formed, you know, fully repentant, fully just checking off all the boxes of what anybody might think, you know, some kind of holiness looks like that, that, that he's not waiting for that. You know, he's just not waiting for that. And when I think back on, on what God has done in my, in my life and the merciful ways that he just led me to the next step and said, no, you're ready for this. And I could look at my life and see what a mess mess it still was and how many areas I was just mucking it up. And that he was still calling me 
to the next step. You know, I think about, you know, Peter, Peter stepping out of the boat, walking on water, then sinking. <laughs> that's, you know, that's, that's, mm. that's a real Christian walk. And yet, you know, Jesus had called him. He had said, you, you know, I'm going to use you. He already had it from the lips of Jesus. And yet he was, he was making errors all over the place. And so to any woman, young or old, and I really want to say that, I really want to say, I don't care how young you are and I don't care how old you are. I don't care where your life has taken you. I don't care how ugly it's gotten. I don't care if you've shaking your fist at God, he loves to just take us the next step and take us the next step and take us the next step. And so if something's starting to burn or bloom or, or even just kind of slightly slip into your mind that, you know, maybe I'm, maybe I want to help somewhere. Maybe I want to serve somewhere. Maybe I want to write something or say something or walk over to my neighbors and, you know, talk to them for a minute. That's all leading. You know, leading is this beautiful thing of just helping someone who hasn't gotten to the next step, to the next step. And he's leading you and you can lead someone else and just let him. Hmm. That's so good. I've often heard Bob Goff say, you don't have to go across the world. You can go across the street. Right, right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Or to the person in your home that, you know, I think about, my husband always likes to say that, you know, we fight. We fight from time to time. We have strong, passionate personalities. And he always says, uh, you know, when I've really kind of gotten to the point where I'm like, you know, you should maybe stay over on that side of the house and I'll stay. <laughs> you know, you can, you know, yeah. he, he'll say, you know, what's that scripture about it being better on the rooftop? And I'm like, you should go the there. Corner of the roof, yeah. yeah, you know, you know, he'll say, you know, I know when you go and you sit reading scripture or, you know, opening up a devotional or just, or talking to a friend who has the same passion for Jesus that you're going to come back and, and, you know, and we're going to lead each other into a place of healing because we've taken a moment to let God or, or someone who loves God lead us back to this space where we need to be. I think that's an ongoing Mm -hmm. work of God, you know, that ongoing transformation. And that's what I was going to say is a big piece. And Stacy, you've actually been a big piece of that in my life. You have been a fellow woman who loves Jesus, who has a strong personality and who has deep convictions and deep passions. And there's so many ways that you've helped shape my understanding of those things. And that the bottom line is we're going to continue to pursue Jesus and you might have opposition that comes along the way. And I've seen those oppositions in your life and seen how you've handled them, how you just continue to go back to where's the Lord leading me and that's where I'm going to be. So for, yeah, women young and old, uh, wherever you are in your life, like if, if that's where the Lord is leading you, then that's where you go. And you might face opposition just because you're a woman. But that doesn't mean you stop. And it also doesn't mean you take on this mentality of women versus men. Unfortunately, I think the feminist movement that's happening within our culture has paved the way for many great things. But that movement is not based on Jesus. And it has taken on a men versus women mentality. That's not biblical. 
we need one another. We need men and women in leadership. We need men and women in our churches. We need relationships. Like we, we need that in the world. And so it's never a versus. It's how do we come alongside one another and see one another's gifts And as women, we need to lead in that way to not bash men and say all of the terrible things that they do. And, you know, they're always trying to rule us. But how do we even support men? How do we support fellow women? And how do we support men in Jesus? And how do we continue to to see the steps that the Lord is leading us into? Take those steps. And it's important to have people in your life that encourage you in that and like I said already, uh, Stacy, you've been a huge encouragement in that way and actually confirming the gifts in me in so many moments where I'm like, maybe that's not it. Maybe that's not a gift. Maybe it's just something I was excited about. But to have somebody who knows you to just confirm those things in you and sometimes that affirmation is all it takes to say, okay, I am going to take that next step that I already knew the Lord is calling me to, but somebody just affirmed the gift in me and and that helps affirm that call. Well, this has been really, really good. And so, Stacey, we want to thank you so much for being here on the podcast. Yes, and thank Tamara, you. thank you for being here. I know it's your own podcast, but You're thank welcome. you for being here. You're very welcome. And You're welcome for being your wife. Yeah. Too. <laughs> I appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah. And we hope uh, that if you're listening to this, it's been encouraging and thought-provoking. And if you have more questions, we would love to hear from you. Thanks for listening to the Her and Him podcast. If you enjoyed hanging out with us, consider subscribing to the podcast to receive it automatically each week. We'd also love it if you head over to iTunes to leave us a rating and review. And be sure to come visit us at herandhim.com where you'll find show notes for this episode, our blog, and other resources to help you experience the abundant life that Jesus promised to us. Thanks again. We'll see you next week. recent survey, parents reported that 52% of homeschooled children need learning accommodations. These parents need practical advice, encouragement, and hope to fuel their homeschooling efforts. The Empowering Homeschool Conversations podcast is where parents gain wisdom on how to teach unique learners successfully at home, like Laura, who recently told us, I needed this episode. I don't need a fancy curriculum or need to be a special ed teacher to teach my son. You have given me hope. To listen now, go to Life Audio or search Empowering Homeschool Conversations on your favorite podcast app.